Hyderon, please join me in the confession. Look after number one. Better be safe than sorry. Only the strong survive. Revenge is sweet. May God forgive us when we, as Christ's own people, believe these words to be life-giving when Jesus has shown us a better way. Blessed are those who recognize the wisdom of God and strive to shape their lives around its truth. And Christ God forgives us and restores us to the way of trust and mercy. At peace with God, let us now offer the peace of Christ to one another. Please be seated. The first reading this morning comes from Micah, chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Hear what the Lord says. Rise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the controversy of the Lord, and you enduring fountains of the earth, for the Lord has a controversy with his people, and he will contend with Israel. O oh, my people, what have I done to you? In what have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of, from the house of slavery. And I sent, you, sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. 
Oh, my people, remember what King Balak of Moab devised, what Balaam, son of Beor, answered him, and what happened from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the saving acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams, with tens of thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. The word of God. Y'all can see me okay? They turned the brights on. (laughs) Our second reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then Jesus began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word... Of God. Last week, if you had joined us, we heard Jesus calling new disciples, and they dropped their nets 
and they left their families and they disrupted their lives to follow Jesus. And this morning, we learn exactly what Jesus means by fishing for men. And we realize that Jesus is not done disrupting the lives of the disciples or the hearers of this message. With these infamous blessings, we hear Jesus tell those who are poor in spirit, those easily imposed upon, those who are mourning, that they are blessed. And when we hear this passage, referred to as the Beatitudes, we imagine that Jesus is telling this group of hearers that they are holy. But the word blessed in this text doesn't mean holy, nor does it mean happy as to be in a good mood. The word blessed refers to a fortunate state. Quite a statement to folks whose present circumstances seem so unfortunate. These first century Galilean peasants who would have been listening to Jesus are not the ones we would imagine walking around wearing t-shirts that say blessed and highly favored. And yet Jesus is proclaiming these radical announcements. And given that most of us here today live with more privilege than not, and given the distance in context and centuries, I don't know that we can fully grasp and understand how revolutionary Jesus' words are in this passage. Because to Jesus' listeners, they would have come across as confusing and jaw-dropping. They would have stirred the crowd with murmurings of people questioning under their breath about false promises and flippant assurances. So to help us out, I took the liberty to rewrite a few Beatitudes for our 21st century. Blessed, blessed is the earth, for it is now protected. Blessed are the sick, for they will get paid sick days. Blessed are those with student loans, for they will get a reprieve. Blessed are those with high health care premiums that don't actually cover anything and still have us deciding between prescription drugs and putting food on the table, for they will receive full health care coverage. 
Blessed are you seeking refuge in the United States, for you will receive hospitality. Blessed are the veterans who have risked their lives and come home with PTSD, for you will receive access to the mental health resources that you need. And blessed are you who identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgendered, or queer, for you are perfect just as you are, a beloved child of God, and you will receive equal rights and protection under the law. And blessed are you, dependents of slavery, for you will receive reparations and restorative justice. My 21st century Beatitudes, most of them aren't true. Most are far-fetched. All would take an act of God to change laws, to change hearts, and most certainly change priorities. And that is exactly how strange it would have been to the hearers of the real Beatitudes. Jesus speaks directly to those who suffer and makes these promises. And it leaves us wondering, what on earth is going on? Jesus is painting a picture of God's kingdom. It is a kingdom, a beloved community, that is radically different from the current world. It turns the world upside down, and Jesus interprets and promulgates a vision of a world aligned with God's concerns. And it is very different from our world. The vision that Jesus shares of God's beloved community is very different than the qualities that are revered in our world. If we were to write the Beatitudes for our current state, they would be something like, Blessed are the rich, for they get richer. And blessed are those who are white, for they will have privilege. And blessed are those who are well-educated, for they will get a good job. And as good, faithful Christians, this is difficult. This is difficult to hear. It is difficult to come to terms because we are doing all the faithful things. We got up and came to church on Sunday morning. And we do our best to be kind and to not drive angry. And we share our resources. And we help pass out sandwiches or lunch to the poor. And we volunteer. But what Jesus is calling us to is a vision of God's kingdom that is so unlike the one that we are living in. As Christians, we are happy to help the poor, but ultimately expect them to get a good job so that they don't rely on handouts. And those of you who mourn, 
I mean, we'll bring you some meals for a while. You're fine for a bit, but ultimately, we're going to ask you to pull yourself up and get yourself together and just get over it. But what Jesus is proclaiming and preaching and calling us to is a vision of God's kingdom. Jesus is calling us to unbind ourselves from the status quo. And Jesus is calling us to change the narrative from the outside in and from the inside out to take these most far-fetched blessings to change laws and to change hearts and to change priorities. Each week, after we partake of the Lord's Supper, we pray the words, Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth. On earth as it is in heaven. The Beatitudes stand as a daring act of protest against the current order, calling us to look upon those who are blessed with compassion and enact a vision of the kingdom perspective. And Jesus invites us to join in this radical kingdom, in this radical beloved community of God. As Christians, this passage should challenge us. Hearing this call of God's beloved community should leave us rightfully asking, can we really do this? But that's the wrong question to focus on. All of us sitting here have already answered Jesus' call to discipleship. We've already decided to follow Jesus. The question is not, will you live the life, but how? Friends, I invite us to respond to God's word and God's message for us by joining our voices as we stand to sing our hymn of commitment, Be Thou My Vision, found on page 595. If you feel called to join 7th Street Christian Church to follow the ways of Jesus, you are also invited to come forward during this hymn of commitment. Let us stand and sing.
You may be seated. I'm just doing the prayers of the people, and so normally there is not a reflection, and I promise it'll just be two sentences, but it has been a rough week at the University of Richmond. If you have followed the news, um, I have been dwelling with students in the great pain of racism as we seek to build a better world while acknowledging the brokenness of our own world. And so I just want to say thank you because there is no place I would rather be after that week than right here um, with you all on this Sunday morning. So thank you for that. Whew. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Loving God, there is hurting in our world. Pain, oppression, injustice, inequity, loneliness, so much work to do, so much to despair. But you are indeed our vision. There is illness, sickness, that which cannot be fixed by our hands alone. But you are indeed Lord of our hearts. And so with knowledge of all that is broken, we turn to you with great hope. We, your church, hope for healing. And we pray you move our feet that we may make it so. We hope for peace, and we pray you grant us words that we may repair and rebuild. We pray for new vision, renewed hearts, the energy to do your work of redemption in our world. And all of our prayers, Holy One, spoken and unspoken, we lift to you now, knowing that you meet us here as you are always meeting us, knowing that with you there is hope for the hopeless, restoration for the weak, and a call, a vision, and your spirit that indeed moves us forward. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord and our hope, and together we say, Amen. God has led us to this place to heal and inspire us, to gently redirect us until we see the world as God does and love it with God's love. With our gifts, we affirm that God's generosity can make us all into a new creation by the way we give of ourselves. Let us now bring forth our tithes and offerings.
liberator Christ, you went to the top of a mountain and taught a, sa- and taught a, sacred, a sacred word about the meek and the grief-stricken, about the lost and the lonely. Come to this place now and by these gifts help us to see the world not as it is but as it could be, that we may become good news to all. Amen. I invite you to be seated. So some of you may know that this past week I took some time off and I went to Canaan Valley, West Virginia. The Sandifords love this place. I didn't know why until I went there. Now I understand. And, and I got to try my hand, or my feet, so to speak, at snowshoeing. I had never been, and I strapped on... Uh, Not those old-fashioned ones, they now are all plastic, but these plastic shoes. And Brett and I, my partner and I, hiked straight up the top of this mountain. And about halfway up, I was already thinking about lunch. I had seen on the menu uh, at the restaurant at White Grass that they had... um, some lovely vegetarian chili uh, on on the menu, and I already had my my sights set on this hot lunch. But of course, we had just gotten started, and we still had climbing to do. And after about two hours of climbing up and around the mountain, I was really, really looking forward to the bodily food that was going to nourish me very, very soon. And as we sat down and we ate that delicious bowl of hearty soup, it was so good. Like, really, really good. You know, after you've been cold and outside or a really hard workout, and you're like, this tastes so good. And I looked out the window at the mountain that I had just climbed, and I couldn't help but make the connection to this communion table. This meal that is desired and needed, that revives our bodies spiritually, that reminds us why we call ourselves Christians, And that nourishes us to continue to do the work that we are called to do. So friends, come. Revive yourself from all the mountains that you are climbing. From parenting teenagers to caring for parents. From tackling personal illnesses to the immoral illnesses that impact our country. Come and be fed. Come and be spiritually nourished. Let us join our voices in our communion hymn as we sing verses 1 and 4, found on page 602.
table, we remember that on the night before Jesus died, he gathered with his friends, his disciples, over a meal, and he took bread, and he blessed it and broke it and gave it to them and said, this bread is like my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, Jesus took the cup and poured out the wine and said, the wine in this cup is like the blood in my veins poured out to give you new life. Do this in remembrance of me. Friends, this morning we partake of communion by intinction and you are invited to come forward and take a piece of bread and dip it into the cup and partake of both elements together. If you are unable to come forward, we have a deacon that will bring you communion. Please know that no matter who you are or where you are from, you are welcome to this table. Let us pray. Holy One, in this bread and this cup, you remind us that there is enough, enough love, enough justice. In this bread and this cup, you call us to do your work anew the work of love and justice in our world. May we be fed and nourished here, that we can go outward and do your will in a hurting world. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord and our hope, and together we say, Amen. Thank you. 
restorer and repairer of the world. Call us into the work of justice. Help us to heal the earth. Help us to heal the nations, to reach out, to listen, to share what we have. Help us to heal ourselves, to speak deep truths to our values, to listen to you, to shed the ways of the world that lay heady burdens on us. Guide us into the way of life as taught by the prophets of old. Hold us to the promises of the covenant written on our hearts. In the name of the Christ who came to repair and to restore and who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, let us stand as we are able and join our voices in our closing hymn, God of Grace and God of Glory. We will sing verses 1, 4, and 5. Friends, don't forget that there's a worship committee meeting downstairs in Hanover Hall. All are welcome to join us. 
Um, also encourage you to, <laughs> sorry, did that sound like, like we're on an airplane? Um, <laughs> also, don't forget to, to pick up your 2020 calendar. And your rocks. That's right. Rock and roll. Uh, now receive this benediction. As you have learned wisdom, go and teach. As you have been fed, go and feed the hungry. As you have been set free, go to set free the imprisoned. As you have heard, proclaim. As the blessing which you have received from the Creator Christ and Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen.